Good morning, church family. We must go tell it to the world. Jesus was born, he lived, he died, and he has risen for all mankind. He's alive. It's been a week. It's been a week. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, in your Son's holy name, we humbly come before you this morning. We thank you so much for the privilege of being here. Open our hearts, open our minds, Heavenly Father, to receive the message. Bless us, one and all. Stand me up, Heavenly Father. Put your words upon my lips, not my own. In your Son's name, thank you. Amen. Truth. There is a story told about two sisters. Their names were the truth and the lie. The truth and the lie were walking down the path of knowledge, talking about who might be the better ideal. The lie said to Sister Truth, You know that everyone has a big problem with you. How so? asked Truth. Well, you are not the politest person to be around. You know, in fact, sometimes it is better not to say anything at all, so you don't offend others. Just go along to get along, is what I say, answered the lie. You know, the Truth answered and said, Time and time again I have been manipulated, but I always come out the better in the end. Dr. King stated once in a speech, truth that is pressed into the ground will one day be raised up. You see, the truth cannot be hidden forever. What do you think about that? Asked truth to the lie. Putting off her sister's question, the lie pointed instead to a pool of water. Oh, look over there, Truth. It is that inviting pool of water I told you about. It is always warm and cozy in there and secluded, too. What do you say we take off our clothes and get in for a swim? Being very wary of the lie's suggestion, Truth suspiciously tested the water and found it that it was nice indeed. Okay, she says, but I haven't got all day. There are places that I need to be. The lie smiled and jumped into the water. Come on, Truth. Don't be shy. Take off your clothes and come on in. The water's just fine. Truth, now naked, got into the pool. The lie smiled at her. But the truth suddenly became very afraid. And at that very moment, the lie leapt from the pool, grabbed truth's clothes, and ran away. The truth was furious, realizing that she had been tricked. Naked, she chased after the lie. As the race proceeded, all those seeing the naked truth were offended They scoffed and condemned her. The world appears today to be very happy without 
the truth. The lie is now dressed up and appears like the truth. And she has become the new normal. And most convenient, she is the ideal today for the world. The lie cloaked as the truth. Imagine yourself in the crowd watching the trial of Jesus as Pilate presents the broken, half-naked, and bloodied man before the crowd. Watching the trial of Jesus, Pilate relates to the crowd, The truth is, I find nothing wrong with this man. I cannot find fault with the one who is called King of the Jews. He is not our king, the Pharisees shouted. We have but one king, and that is Caesar in Rome. Crucify him. Throughout the crowd, there are whispers. It is as if someone is planting seeds of doubt into those who had already witnessed Jesus' miracles. But here Jesus stands before them. The same man to whom they cried out in Matthew 21, 9, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now they see the naked truth. And they cry out, crucify him. Crucify him. JFK once did a speech and he said, For the great enemy of truth is very often not the lie, deliberate, contrived, and dishonest, but the myth. The myth, persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. Too often we hold fast to these cliches. We subject facts to a prefabrication set of interpretations. We enjoy the comfort of opinion and tradition without the discomfort of thought. In other words, what he's saying, friends, is that you have to dig deep to find the truth. You have to get out of your comfort zone and seek out the truth. For the lie is persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. Present truth. The three angels' message tells us to do what? Revelations 14, 6 to 12. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Are there any angels seated in this room today? Hmm? Are you angels? Are you angels? We believe in Christ, the blessed hope. We are watching for him. We should be searching for him like gold. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that 
he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Is there anybody peculiar in here today? Any peculiar angels, perhaps? Look around. I always feel kind of peculiar myself, so... (laughs) I'm in good company, right? We as Adventists deem ourselves the remnant seed, the new Israel. Let's identify the symbolic angels. We have established in Revelations 1-7 that Christ will return the second time. With power he shall return. Every eye will behold him. The message is in order to prepare human beings for this miraculously divine event. And so stands the first, second, and third angels' messages. And who is to deliver these messages? These angels, if you will, these angels in Scripture represent those who receive this present truth. These angels living on this earth will be given the power to speak out with God's distinct utterance to repeatedly speak to the whole world. What will I say, you wonder? What will you speak? How will you speak in a quiet, calm, meek, almost whispering voice? That is not what God states in Revelations 14, 7. Saying with what kind of a voice? Loud voice. What kind of voice? A loud voice. Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. What will God give you? Power. Power. And your voice will be what? Loud. Proclaiming what? His judgment. God's glory is to be made manifest in us. We give credit to him who created everything. And to give glory to God is to reveal his character in our own. His character in our own. By doing so, we make him known. In whatever way we make him known, the Father or the Son, what do we do? We glorify him through us, the angels, proclaiming the message to the world. For the time of God's destructive judgment is coming and it is time to show mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn what is truth. It's up to us. Tenderly the Lord looks upon all who do not hold the truth. God's heart of mercy is touched. His hand is still reaching out to save. But my friends, the door is soon to be shut. Just like in the days of Noah, the door will come up, boom, it's done. Just like in the days of Noah. There is still hope. Large numbers will be admitted who in these last days hear the word of truth for the first time. If given the chance, your message You might be the only message they hear. And it could be given by angels listening today. If you accept and choose to pay it forward, it's up to you. 
Revelations 14.8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This wine, this fornication means that this creature, whomever it is, has disregarded the only commandment which points out the true God and has torn down the Sabbath, God's memorial of creation. How many days did it take God to complete his creation? What's that number? Six. Six days. He sanctified, made holy the seventh day. And on that day, what did he do? He rested. He set it apart from all the other days as holy to himself to be observed by his people throughout their generations. But... The man of sin, exalting himself above God, sitting there in the temple of God, showing himself to be God, cleverly thought to change times and laws. What God has put in place, however, let no man put asunder. Second Thessalonians 2, 1-4 Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye not soon be shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that by the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth, exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Friends, that falling away has happened already. Apostasy has now gone viral throughout Christianity. Do you believe it? This power, thinking that it was not only equal to God, but above God, changed God's hallowed rest day. Placed it upon the first day of the week, claiming this is where the day of rest sits now. This is the Lord's day. But which Lord is claiming that? And the Protestant world has taken this child of, of papacy to be regarded as sacred. In the word of God, Revelations 14, 8, this deception, the wine is called the wrath of her fornication. But it's good news, friends. This man of sin, this child of papacy, cannot undo what God has declared shall stand forever. The work now to be done in our world is to exalt the law of the Lord, call the attention of the people to it. It is time to proclaim, to point out the truth against deception, falsehood, and error. What will God give you to speak? Power. With what kind of voice? Loud. Proclaiming what? His judgment. Revelations 14, 9 to 11. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image... And receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without measure in the cup of indignation. 
and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And there's a question. Why are men not interested in knowing what constitutes the mark of the beast or his image? Anybody got that answer? Because it is in direct contrast to their traditions. It is easier to stay with the status quo. Go along to get along, said the lie to the truth. Go along to get along. You know, the children's story, we should be able to relate to this. Go along to get along. You know, it's easier to find and remove a tick from a long-haired hound than to get people to move off center where they are settled. Hmm? They are following the myth. And the myth is what? Persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. In other words, the truth is inconvenient. Inconvenient. There will be times when you will not know what or how to speak on God's behalf, but fear not. The book of Matthew states it clear in Christ's own words, Matthew 10, 16 to 22. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speaketh, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up brother to death, the father, the child, the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be what? Saved. Tradition versus biblical. In Genesis 2, 1, 3, the heavens and the earth were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. He sanctified it, made it holy. So what was the first day that Adam and Eve spent with the Lord after being created? The Sabbath. Let's go to Genesis 1.26. Genesis one twenty six.
And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. You know, the sixth day was a very busy day. The sixth day was a very busy day. Genesis one twenty three, the fifth day it was. But after that fifth day, the sixth day completed in Genesis one thirty one. what happened in one thirty one, And God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. The evening and the morning. And that's pretty... That's a stated, right? It's stated there, the sixth day. And so is the seventh day, which follows after that. And tells us, God sanctified it, he hallowed it. E.G. White, Patriarchs and Prophets, chapter 1, page 16. It states, she states, The Sabbath was committed to Adam, the father and representative of the whole human family. Its observance was to be an act of grateful acknowledgement on the part of all who should dwell upon the earth, that God was their creator and their rightful sovereign, that they were the work of his hands and the subjects of his authority. And we've read that. Thus, the institution was wholly commemorative and given to all mankind. There were no Jews at this point of time, So it is not exclusively Jewish. So when a person says, oh, that's when the Jews have their Sabbath. Ever hear that one? Are you Jewish? Did you ever get that question? There was nothing in it shadowy or of restricted application to any one people or persons. This was creation. And you know, the angels also keep the Sabbath. Psalms 103 states, 103.20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word, that do his commandments. And God wrote in the tablets, written in stone by his finger, the commandments. Exodus 20, 8 to 11. Does anybody know those verses? Huh? Who can speak it verbatim without looking? Do we know it? Exodus 20, 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. That includes everyone in your charge within the household, including your critters, right? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed 
the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Mark 2, 27 to 28. And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for who? For man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. There's no mention of Jews here. No mention of the Jews. The Sabbath was created the same week when everything else was created during the creation week. Going back a few minutes ago, remember Genesis 1, 1 through 31? The whole time of creation is plotted out there. And in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, that states what it was all about, the Sabbath. Luke 4.16, here in this verse, Jesus not only talked, but demonstrated honoring the Sabbath. In Luke 4.16, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. And just for further study, those who are here and who might be listening, for further study, you can write down the Old Testament chapters and verses, Deuteronomy 4, 39 to 40, Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15, Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 3, and also in the New Testament, Matthew 28, 1, Mark fifteen forty two. Mark 16:2, Luke 23, 53 to56, and Luke 24:1, and John 19:42 and John 21. These are all verses, chapters and verses where, you, where it states the Sabbath, all about the Sabbath. It hasn't been lost. It was not torn away. It still exists. Now let's go to Matthew. Matthew 27. And we're going to touch upon some more verses. Matthew 27, 57. Now the Sabbath prep day is when? Hmm? Friday. Friday. And on this particular prep day, Jesus was crucified. When the evening came, Joseph of Arimathea took up the body and placed it in the tomb. Now, let's go to Matthew 27, 62 to 66. And this is a must-read scripture. And if you just all want to follow along, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. Matthew 27, 62 to 66. This is curious. This is very curious. Now, the next day following the Friday of preparation, on Sabbath day, and I'm going to paraphrase, the sneaky priests and Pharisees were not about the Lord's business, but they were about their personal business. And they said to Pilate, seal the tomb. Otherwise, the last error, the last error shall be worse than the first. Think about this. 
This happened on the Sabbath. The last error, error shall be worse than the first. Were they admitting error? Has a Pharisee or a priest, do they ever admit to error? So they knew, or there was evidence enough that this was indeed the Christ, as foretold in the prophetic scriptures. But they were nurturing their finite thoughts instead. Ooh, the disciples might steal the body. For their selfish moments, they left the infinite possibility out of the equation. Again, the lie is what? Persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. Nothing is impossible for the Lord, friends. A stone in the way? Not a problem. Not a problem. Mark 16, 6. Mark 16, 6. He is risen. He is not here. Woe to the Pharisees. Woe to the Sadducees. But guess what? They were in error, weren't they? Back to Sabbath evidence. Matthew 28, 1. In the end of the Sabbath, what day is that? The Sabbath is on what day? Saturday. As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, the first day of the week is what? Sunday. Sunday. Came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. More parallel scripture evidence. John 19.42 There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day. For the sepulcher was nigh at hand. John 20. John 21. The first day of the week, Sunday, cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. What you have here is the fulfillment of Christ's prophecy in John 2.18 to 21. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. The three days of Jesus. The three days of Jesus' ordeal which provides our salvation. Friday, which was yesterday, that was his preparation day. Sabbath day, 
What did Jesus do? He rested. He rested. And on the first day of the week, what did he do? He rose. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We must speak the good news to the world. His commission for us is Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Isaiah 43, and was quoted by John the Baptist, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Our God. This is our mission as angels. No fear for God's peculiar people. Isaiah 49 to 11. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed Against these shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. So my friends, do not be afraid to speak out. So we who are sitting here today, what is our mission? We are a peculiar people chosen by God, known to him before we were even born, loved by him yet as sinners. Our mission is to go out and preach, to to testify what he has done for us. Each of us has our own experience, which I call it the the on-the-road-to-Damascus moment, just like Paul. Each of us, has had that moment when suddenly God has said to us, wake up. We need to take that experience. We need to figure out the time when we first met the Lord. We need to tell the world our stories. We must help make the way straight for the coming of the blessed hope. Let us not hide under a bushel basket It is way too late for shyness. Let us be bold for the Lord. Amen? Amen. And that's the story for today. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, write upon our hearts the message that you would have us deliver, Heavenly Father. Send us out, Heavenly Father. We are ready, Heavenly Father. Lift us up. Give us your loud power.
power, the voice, your voice, Heavenly Father. Give us the message that we may carry it forward. Bless this day, Heavenly Father. Be with us as we travel and go home. Give us safety, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the privilege being here in your sanctuary. Thank you. In Lord Jesus' name, amen.